Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 550, A Short Hike. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's James Carter. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello. And Leah Haydu. I'm kind of upset that you couldn't just beat that kid up and take his golden feathers. He's extorting people. It's not right. <laughs> we'll get into all that malarkey. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah. We'll come back to that that kid and all, only and all I the can other... make this game incredibly violent. You're welcome, America. <laughs> and all the other kids and the dark, the dark, the darkness that lives at the heart of a short hike. Uh, I was actually thinking it would be quite funny if we found some, but um, beyond that, anyway, what is a short hike? If you don't know, listener, it follows a remarkably simple premise. According to MCV, the player is tasked with, as you might have guessed, taking a short hike, in this case, up to the summit of a mountain in order to get a phone signal. But there's plenty of side quests to distract you along the way. A host of talking animals who need your help. But it's a distinctly low stakes experience, a game that's perhaps best described as Animal Crossing meets Breath of the Wild. Two games that creator Adam Robinson Yu points to as inspirations, a colourful, friendly island that rewards exploration and experimentation. Yeah, it's a budget indie game with a sort of uh, a 3D graphic style, but one sort of honed in the past, a retro style, if you will. Uh, we have our first correspondent is Damunth from Patreon, who says a bit of a shame this game kind of just gets shorthand as to being an indie Breath of the Wild. It's a nice little time. I think we've all tried or should have tried climbing close to the top and just gliding for as long as possible. So this game's uh, only three years old, I think, something like that. Yeah, three and a half years old or thereabouts. But uh, what... What's our histories? Did anyone jump on it early? What formats did we play it on? And just how much of Claire's adventure have we experienced, Leah? Um, so I picked this game up at some point. I think it was probably in a sale or something on my Switch. And I played it today. Um, I yep. had a bit of a stressful week and I thought that it might be a nice way to, uh, you know, just kind of unwind mm -hmm. and... and calm down i've been playing a lot of persona lately um as is you know you could probably say that about me at any given point in time but uh, <laughs> I, I have been and um i i kind of i didn't put off playing this game for the show i just knew that it was it was fairly short yeah. and um you know i i thought that i could spend a nice lazy sunday or saturday morning it's not sunday saturday morning as of recording you know just taking my time and exploring and and I did, and it was lovely. I got myself a nice cup of coffee and curled up in my chair and, and just spent the morning messing around. And here we are. Yeah. Right. Josh. Hello. This So, uh, yeah, for listeners won't necessarily know, probably the majority of them won't, that we were originally planning on doing a much, uh, a much more severe and serious <laughs> undertaking for this final podcast of the year, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. But uh, I took the decision some months ago to postpone that one into next year because I felt like we could all do with a break uh, from the, that sort of commitment as cool as uh, as cool a game as that is and I'm sure we'll we'll enjoy it and have lots to say about it next year but um, I kind of went I went <laughs> as far down the other <laughs> road as possible um, we basically we looked at the games that the the panel who was due on that show had all played or were happy to play and something that we could all manage and so here we are but does your history with the game go back further than yeah, the last few months. 
Yeah, so I I, I played this uh, close to release. It definitely wasn't on release because I think this was a bit of a uh, word of mouth game, right? Like I think, I, so. I think it, it generated um, steam uh, as as more and more people checked it out. Um, so it was definitely towards the end of that year um, that I. Um, that I played it honestly. The the pitch that sold me was what what if Breath of the Wild but slightly smaller. Um, yeah. yeah, like I I was immediately on board with the 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 kind of premise and the focus of this game. Um, so I played it God three years ago, Jesus. Um, and mm. um, I've played it a couple of just because it's such a breezy playthrough. Um, I've played it through again. Uh, like a year or so ago, and then I played for it again um, ahead of this recording because, like, it takes like an hour or so. So yeah. easy, speed running friendly. I haven't actually looked at speed running times, but I, I guess somebody somebody's done it in about four or five seconds. Um, <laughs> I think I think there are various exploits you can use to avoid collecting even the the kind of the minimum requirement of of feathers. We'll talk more about that, James. What about you? You've you've joined us um, kindly. Because uh, John, who was originally supposed to be on this panel, couldn't record on the date that we needed to record because it's his Josh's last ever show as a regular contributor. Oh, more of which later. Um, so, yes, John, John had to bow out. James has stepped in. But did you uh, I think you played along with with a mind that you might, you know, you might be called upon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I occasionally do if there's a game as as is often the case uh the kinrin schedule is a really really handy prompt to just go back and play stuff that um that That's maybe slipped by and you've always intended to play but never got time for which to say not got time for for this game is maybe the most ludicrous example but <laughs> um i just went back and checked actually i i have four copies of this game three of them were pc but various different uh, sort of uh, stores yeah. on pc um, but sure. I, I like um, Leah was saying, uh, and and Josh, it's one that, that I'd heard of for for you know from sort of release, but built by the end of the year twenty nineteen. Uh, specifically, Patrick Klepek was talking about this. He'd played it for kind of end of the year game of the year discussions, um, and was was kind of raving about it. So I picked this up on the second of January twenty twenty, almost certainly in a Steam sale. Um, Fully intending to play it, but I think I was probably playing, I don't know, Jedi Fallen Order or something at that point. Um, and then it was, I guess, probably an epic freebie in March 2020. So I have it from there. Yep. Also have mm -hmm. it in an itch bundle at some point later on in 2020. Yep. And bought it on Switch in August 2020 when it released. Um, fully intending each and every time to play it. I guess the Switch one was a kind of okay, I don't often sit down at my computer to play a game, but on Switch, obviously I'll get round to playing it. And I just didn't. <laughs> and would you know that at the beginning of uh, November, I ended up getting a Steam Deck uh, and had <laughs> kind of earmarked this as a game. Yeah, let's play that along with the show. So 4th November this year was when I finally sat down to play this game. Um, ah. And uh, 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 not a, a kind of... Straightforward playthrough, definitely did some side stuff, collected a few more feathers than I needed to, and did, you know, some of the, the mini side games and stuff like that um, then, but only to the tune of about an hour and 45 minutes until I picked it up mm. today. And rather than starting afresh, I just went back in and, and 
tried to mop up as many of the kind of side quests and collectibles yeah. and stuff and just had a wonderful few hours today sort of plinking about and uh, sort of completing everything and ended up at five o'clock today getting my toast for the final achievement on steam <laughs> so yeah um I, I rinsed as as rinsed as rinse could be um in just in time for the show perfect and probably one of our earliest steam deck plays on the podcast as yeah, well. It may, yeah. it may have been may have been some before uh yeah i got the same kind of word of mouth vibes buzz from friends and peers uh, back um i guess fairly soon after the game came out and i also grabbed that free copy that was on the epic game store added it on my huge backlog list and thought i'll probably play that for the show at some point and so here we are yeah i just played that version didn't rebuy it um would be quite tempted to pick it up at some point on playstation and or xbox for the achievement fun trophy fun but um but was quite happy to play it on the pc for the show whacked in an xbox series controller and uh, it worked like a charm so yeah played it yesterday for about an hour and a half didn't do everything did a little bit more than just the basics but here we are everyone else has got me covered in the uh, in the rinsing stakes <laughs> i suspect created by mainly one person although not entirely adam robinson you as of now uh, the canadian's one and only credit as a video games developer although uh, this was actually the story goes according to wikipedia in december 2018 robinson you took a break from developing his other project untitled paper rpg and started work on a short hike playing the games the haunted island a frog detective game and minute convinced him that short games can be successful too after receiving funding via the humble original program I guess that's something worth applying to. Robinson Yu committed to releasing the game in three months. He tracked his progress using a simplified version of the Scrum framework and used existing Unity tools such as InControl and Cinema uh, Cinemachine, as well as assets from previous projects. And so he did. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting hearing him talk about this, where he had a list of features that he wanted to put into the game and he just started axing, like just lines through bunch of the features that we would now think is inherent to this game in order to make mm. sure that he could make a game in three months and get it into uh the humble monthly for april 2019 it was um and then right. the subsequent four months until it came out on steam is where a lot of the like side stuff the fishing the, the mini game type stuff all that was added in after the fact so i i really wish I had had the chance to see the game as it was then. I don't think there's a way of playing it huh. in that state. Mm, possibly not. Um, Mark Sparling contributes music, which we'll talk about separately, of course. And one uh, interesting contributor uh, in terms of backstory, I thought, is uh, is uh, Dawn Blair, who I guess not only uh, provided art, but also... Um, maybe just advice as a a bit more of an industry veteran because Dawn worked at Silicon Knights, Dennis Dyack's studio, going back as far as uh, some games we've covered on the podcast previously, such as Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, Two Human, Metal Gear Solid, The Twin Snakes. Um, and then it looks like Dawn had a, a long gap uh, between credits in the industry from X-Men Destiny in 2011 to a short hike in 2019. I don't know what the story is there, 
But um, I X-Men Destiny scared her off a of video game. <laughs> yeah, a while, po- I guess. possibly. I- so. I'd love to hear that um, story she... though, because yeah, it, it's it yeah. would be entirely believable that something like X Men Destiny and Silicon Knights yeah. would be a hurdle to overcome on your CV almost. But equally well, sure. As we well know, there are several you know big name developers who left one project and there's just a gap because things they were making yep. just never got released and so they don't have credits to their name absolutely uh, and it yeah, looks like true. a gap and uh, you know as as so often is the case it just isn't it just didn't pan out the way people thought yeah it's a very very good point yeah i'd be fascinated to to talk to dawn mm. and learn uh yeah contributed art and writing to the game with some also additional art from andrew wong the sound effects i assume were done by adam robinson you himself using basically free libraries freesound.org and chip tone, obviously, with some manipulation and editing. Um, and yeah, the game was made with Unity, Yarn Spinner, and In Control. Mm. Game was released, or the full version, the I guess one point was it was it one point oh on Humble, or was I don't know? Is it was this one point oh one on on Steam? Or whatever? I mean, the, Not sure. The the official release date on the Wikipedia page is July the thirtieth, two twenty nineteen. It's only in the release sure. blurb it actually tells you the date it came out in the Humble yeah. monthly. So, I guess right. effectively an early access release. I, yeah. I I don't know how it was termed. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, Windows and Linux PCs and Mac as well. July thirtieth, twenty nineteen. Harvey Jones from our Patreon says, short, punchy, thought-provoking and beautiful. I played a short hike during isolation in the first lockdown and it took my breath away. On the surface, it seems like just another cutesy animal game. But dig a little deeper and you'll find an evocative world stuffed with interesting characters overflowing with sentimentality. This and Firewatch are some of the most moving Switch experiences I've had to date. I'll never forget this game. I hope they make another. It arrived on Switch in August 2020, a year or so later. Colin Alonso from our forum says, I played a short hike in June 2020. It was a nice afternoon in the middle of lockdown and I was feeling slightly down. Not depressed, just a slow day where I didn't feel like doing anything, not even leaving the house. I downloaded a short hike and started playing. I stubbornly went the reverse way around the base of the island and what a lovely journey that was. There were all sorts of nooks and crannies to explore, charming NPCs to talk to and small things to get involved in, such as collecting shells or playing beach stick ball, all set to nice chilled cute music. When I reached the start of the island, I immediately did another lap of it and I loved it. At this point, I felt much happier and took a break to go for a walk myself. On returning, I loaded the game and headed up the mountain and the island continued to be a joy to explore. Controlling Claire is great and gliding is particularly fun. I completed it after two and a half hours of exploring all I could and I was beaming after playing it. Uh, PS4 and Xbox One versions arrived November 16th, 2021. And reviews for the game overall, according to OpenCritic, are 100% positive. Uh, (laughs) It's had 30 reviews in total including some 10 out of 10s from the likes of Nintendo Life and an Essential from Eurogamer, and it averages at 87%, which is uh, pretty decent. Joey Jojo Jr. from our forum says, pick this up as soon as it was released on Switch after Eurogamer's glowing recommendation and wasn't disappointed. A sublimely relaxed adventure across an island dense with characters to meet, activities to do and collectibles to find. While part of me wishes the game was longer simply to spend more time in the world 
I think stretching it any further would likely have been to the game's detriment. Anyone feel similarly on that? Would they would 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 a, a, a more fleshed out version be missing the point, or would it be welcome because it's such a nice way to spend time? I, I think I I could totally take like a four or five hour version of this for sure. Um, but I, I I do think there is a limit, right? Like the 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 appeal of a short hike is the density over breadth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think if you you know breach the five hour mark and get closer to ten, fifteen, that's when you start repeating content, right? That's when you start mm-hmm. uh, putting in filler filler content. So yeah. I think it's still it could be a little bit longer, but I, I it still needs to be a short game to be what it is. You've collected fifteen shells now. Collect twenty eight stones. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, nobody needs that reviews uh, as i say were great and awards wise it was nominated for best indie game at the golden joysticks in 2019 nominated for three dice awards didn't win any of those but did win at the independent games festival awards the seamus mcnally grand prize and the audience award and after all isn't that the most important one user reviews less impressed on push square the playstation centric site but only from 13 reviews it has 7.8 maybe it's not what people play no guns (laughs) exactly yeah uh no bros no guns uh no multiplayer uh nintendo life though they like it more over there 8.6 from uh 287 users and on steam it is rated as overwhelmingly positive uh with over 10,000 reviews Sean S. Thomas from our forum says, I loved hanging out in this world for a few hours and return to it occasionally with the kids, even now. Joyful to swoop and run around in, and its characters are a delight, with a style all of its own. A gem of a game that left me wanting more and pining for the great outdoors. It's higher res in real life. Hmm. Sales-wise, no idea. Uh, Couldn't find anything. I think there are ways of um, getting access to Steam sales and stuff, but... I'll issue a spoiler warning because this game does have a story, an important reveal at the end, which I think is worth experiencing for yourself before you play it. But we will talk about it. So if you want to pause the podcast, go away, complete the game and come back. The podcast is probably minutes. longer than the game. So, yep. you know what you're it's in one of those. there. It's one of those. Um, so, yeah, spoiler warning. Uh From Wikipedia, the protagonist and player character is Claire, a young bird who spends her days off by travelling to Hawk Peak Provincial Park, where her aunt May works as a ranger. In an opening cutscene, Claire's mother drives her to a ferry that will take her to the park for the summer. When Claire arrives, her aunt informs her that there's no cell phone reception in the park except for at Hawk Peak. Claire has never hiked the Hawk Peak Trail before, but is expecting an important call, so she decides to go to the summit. It is then up to the player whether Claire helps the other animals on the island or heads straight for Hawk Peak. A sign at the mountain's base warns it is a strenuous hike and other characters will remark that the trail is too difficult for them. When Claire reaches the peak, she congratulates herself for making it and sits in view of an aurora. I'll save the the ending for when we get to it. Uh, The call uh, is interrupted when an updraft emerges from the mountain, which makes Claire nervous but she is urged to ride it before it disappears. Claire rides the updraft soaring over the park and then she returns to her aunt 
explains what she's been up to, <laughs> including all your whatever you've done in the side quests. And then she goes for a nap and it goes, boom, the end cut to black, <laughs> which is which is nicely abrupt. Um, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the, the overall scenario and setting and then we'll come back to the reveal um, and yeah, whether it whether it did anything to us or for us. Um, simple, sim- simple tale. Yeah, I, I really it, it's kind of nice that it doesn't beat you over the head with the story. It It is impactful, I think. And I, I love that it's there, but the entire game is not about, oh, this thing is hanging over our heads. We better yeah. you know make sure mm. that it's and, and some games for some games, that is the right call for some games. That is yes. what it's about. And that's Agreed. that's the what they are going for. But this isn't one of those. And I don't think that that would have worked as well for me, at least mm. if it had kind of taken that more of that tone to it. I, I, I liked mm. how this was handled. Yeah, because I I feel like as as a player you kind of need um, some kind of funnel that's guiding you through, right? Some kind of um, end goal. But if if it was too urgent, if it was too pressing, um, it would undermine the the experience that a short hike is going for, right? Like the simple yes. premise of got a phone call, uh, could be any time, but. You, at this point, you don't even know what the phone call is about, right? So, no. um, it could it could just be a casual catch up with your mum, but it makes total sense that the you know Claire would hang out with the Rock Climbers Association or play stickball or what have you, right? Like it it feels natural, it feels organic, and it and and it doesn't feel like um, like it, it like as much as I love Breath of the Wild, right? It is. It does get a little bit comical that you're just letting <laughs> Zelda fight uh, Ganon in the castle. I mean, for it's, that it's a tro- it's a trope that we've discussed yeah. many yeah, times exactly. about all, all kinds of games. I think JRPGs are notorious for it, but yeah. but I think plenty of other games fall in the same trap. And it's a it's a video game problem, isn't it? Like yeah. It's a, it's 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 the nature of being an interactive medium. Indeed, it's one and, of the and, flaws and, that may never be solved. And yeah, and and don't get me wrong, it's not you know, a vorpal flaw with any of those games. But um I, I do want to commend Short Hike for finding finding something that strikes the right balance of adding a, you know, pushing you at uh, pushing you behind your back a little bit, but not too much. I think that yeah. that's a it's a quite elegant solution to this problem. Yeah, it's um I think it's it's a short enough game and you're on an island that clearly ascends to the middle. So it always keeps the goal in mind it keeps you in mind of the goal is a bit guess the better way to phrase it where you never get away from yeah you're meant to be going up this mountain but also a bit like bully versus grand theft auto the setting helps forgive any kind of uh structural frailty there might be where yeah you're aware there's a call but the setup is much more you know oh it almost felt to me like oh claire's doesn't really want to be here. She's kind of stuck here. Like she's been sent away on holiday and actually just wants to be back in touch with her friends was what I thought. You know, she, she's she got a phone call yeah. coming in. She's there in the countryside. She is annoyed or on the island. She is annoyed that she doesn't have her phone reception and therefore can't be on social media or speaking to her friends or texting or whatever. Um, and a bit like something like a game like Lake where 
you then actually realize no being here is actually a good thing for claire and her being involved with other people that she meets on the way makes sense for that because you see that she is not quite so anxious about need to get to the top of the hill need to take this phone call she's much more happy to get involved and and sort of experience the place that was at least how i played uh, through this game mm. and then when you get to the top and realize what the call is and suddenly it completely redefined my understanding of why claire was there and why not just why the call was important but why she's there at all and why she would have seemed impatient or you know frustrated at not having phone signal but then would have also accepted no i can still take my time get to the top here and and you know experience the the whole island for what it is yeah so the reveal is uh when she gets the cell phone signal the phone rings and it's her mum and her mum says that she's had uh, she's been in surgery and she's come out and she's fine and that's it and there's no uh huge emphasis on what kind of surgery she's i think she says it's a minor thing um but they don't go into it you know exactly what it is it could be something genu- genuinely you know completely minor cosmetic even or something like that uh, but... i think i think they do mention in the conversation that they have i i don't remember what the exact wording is but mm. it's something along the lines of like when this started happening or um uh, it, okay. it, it seemed to me like there was an implication of maybe this had been an ongoing type of thing right um and so it so it sounds as i recall um Basically, she did. Mum did tell Claire that she was going into surgery, but not until just before it was happening. Is that the sort of suggestion? So uh, Claire didn't have the chance to kind of, you know, be more present for her kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Claire's still coming to terms with all of this happening. It sounds like she was whisked away at quite short notice. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think the the thing I like about the way the way it's handled in this game, I think the the writing does share similar uh, a similar sort of style and tone as as um, Chicory and and uh, Wonder Song in that it's you know it's quite pl- it's not overly flowery, it's quite plainly written, which I think is quite effective in itself, um, yeah. quite accessible and easy to understand, um, but it's not heavy handed either. Like in either in its you know this one sort of serious aspect of the story that she was worried about her mum and her mum had a surgery and it could have been you know like any surgery is potentially dangerous um but also the game doesn't hammer you over the head with although it's obviously making the point that sometimes it's good to disconnect from your devices and go into the outdoors and interact with human beings and all that kind of thing it 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 but it doesn't um it's not sledgehammer with it at all it's just kind of gently making that point i would say yeah i don't think it's making a value judgment on the way that any of us choose to live our lives it's just saying that you know here's an example of a character for whom it was really good to get away and be amongst a completely different group of people get to know them help them with their problems and you can kind of take away from that what you will i think uh, like you say with the language i think the story is kind of a bit of a universal almost timeless one yeah that could apply in any way i mean the cell phone obviously puts it in a certain context but you know yeah. if if this had been a story about a kid in the 70s they could still have had something to get away from and benefit from being you know on this island yeah. you know it really isn't centered around that aspect particularly of technology 
the the word that I come to is celebration rather than like a uh, message or lesson, right? Like it mm, it, it mm-hmm. feels like um an artist expressing why they love doing this kind of thing, right? Why they yeah. love going on, out into the wilderness rather than you know preaching to you and going yes. this is why you should do it. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and to speak to the writing um, that you mentioned, Leon, it feels really, it's it, it it feels human, right? It feels really like mm-hmm. natural and organic. Like obviously, you get some over the top comedy characters, like the the rock climbers. I keep coming back to the rock climbers association <laughs> just because they make me. I genuinely find them hilarious. Um, yeah. But um, like the 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 call with the mum feels like. A call you've had with a relative, right? Like, it's not just what's said, it's what's not said, because you don't need to say those words, because you know, like, that kind of relationship, that that kind of really intimate relationship, you don't need to, like, fill in every gap, right? You can can say a lot with a little. Um, And I I really respect, like, the economy of word choice in this game, and and how it does so, like, it, it paints such a um, you know, it paints in broad strokes, but it does a lot with those strokes, right? Like it, 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 it fills in a lot about these characters with with what little it uses. It's it's really clever. So if uh, my my father had a uh, liver transplant in 2020, and mm. if I had played this game at that time, it would have <sighs> broken me in yeah. half. Yeah, 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 like yeah. it just yeah. it, and it still you know it still has an effect on me because I can, it's. It's it's not that she and she meaning Claire, it's not mm-hmm. that she is out there like trying to escape from all of her problems or you know no, that she's no. she's uh she has this huge heavy weight hanging over her. She's she's trying to kind of and this is a retrospective thing that I kind of got after I after you know the end of the or I guess it's not completely the end, but after she reaches the top and takes the phone call is you know it, it you kind of have to keep at a certain point there's not really anything you can do and you kind of have to just keep moving around and doing stuff anyway and that to me really kind of made sense after after you see why she's out there in the first place yeah Carl the frog from our forum says i played a short hike during a period of lockdown in sydney it was a welcome reminder of the bigness of even small places as a hiker and former camp counsellor, I'm astonished at how well a short hike translates the experience of being outdoors to video games. I was grinning the whole time I played it. It's a personal, polygonal, animated adventure with diorama drama. Does what it says on the tin. Good review, Carl. Um, although as a former camp counsellor, I'm surprised you're still with us. <laughs> I know what a deadly um, occupation that can be. <laughs> Hike, climb and soar through the peaceful mountainside landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park, says the official blurb. Follow the marked trails or explore the backcountry as you make your way to the summit. Along the way, meet other hikers, discover hidden treasures and take in the world around you. JC Van Dan says a short hike is a really nice, cosy one sitting game. There's nothing strenuous about it. The gameplay is simple but fun for a short playthrough. The light puzzle element of managing your flight feathers while looking for the shortest way up is just enough. I also really enjoyed the uplifting plot, such as it was. 
Helping out the other animals is cute, and the ending once you reach the top, speak to your mum and ride the currents into the sky before serenely, serenely gliding back to the bottom was really beautiful. The game also stayed in my mind as my five-year-old son regularly plays it. All he does is keep going round in circles, top to bottom, as he loves the glide back down. Only this weekend I had another go with him, and I still like the simplicity of making your way up the mountain just to glide back down again. A lovely game. So the art is an interesting one. So by default, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a 3D polygonal game. By default, I would say that the aesthetic that, uh, that it conjures is, some, some say PS1, but I think DS, original DS, is, yeah, yeah, is the sort of yeah, the, the, yeah. the pixels and the resolution um, that, it, that it gives off. Obviously, if you're, you know, whatever machine you're playing it on, it's probably actually outputting natively, you know, 1080 or 4K or something, but the game has a, a visual look to it. Now, I noticed, and I think some people seem to have missed this, that it does actually have a set of graphics options on the PC version, at least. And I'm guessing they're in the It does on the versions. Switch version as well. I didn't yeah. mess with them, but I did see that they were Sure. There. But you can actually dial the pixelation, pixelization down through a set of five, I think it is, five or six settings, possibly, to the point that it's all the, the filter is gone. And the game looks more like, I guess you would say, the Wind Waker or something like that, or Wind Waker HD. Um, oh, I like, I like <laughs> well, Wind Waker. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all, yeah, so the pixel, pixelation is gone and it just leaves you with kind of toon-looking, smooth, higher resolution graphics. And I think that's a, also a perfectly legitimate way to play. <clears throat> but I did decide to dive back to the default because, you know, author intent and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, what do we feel about the the default look of the game? And did anyone would anyone rather have ditched the filter, or, or, and or did they? I didn't. I I like I said, I saw I, the first thing I do with ninety nine percent of games is look at the options menu, uh, and yeah. most of the time I don't even change anything unless it's mm -hmm. inverted or something weird. But <laughs> I uh, yeah, I saw that the visual filter was there, but I did not like I said mess with it. I I liked the way that it looked anyway. I thought that yeah. it was detailed enough to get the point across but it it had you know kind of it just had a, it had a style to it and i liked it so i kept it yeah i i really loved it um i i've i've become one of those um weird individuals that finds this kind of visual style not just it's not just a nostalgia thing like i find it weirdly charming now like uh, as much as uh, i i you know i love games that look incredibly um detailed and high fidelity and all that jazz like mm -hmm. this this activates some kind of like child childlike uh joy in me um i i yeah i really like it um and also i i like how it feeds into the the themes of the game like the whole short hike experience feels like it's tapping into some kind of like um childhood nostalgia it feels yeah. like the the visual identity of the game kind of feeds into that as well, like evoking the era at which the the you know um, mm. uh, the hiking would have taken place, right? Like the PlayStation yeah. era or something like that, or the DS era even. Um, so I I feel like there's there there is something um, thematically cohesive about this decision as well. I'm guessing it makes sense as I don't know the age of the creator, but he looks like Gen Z to me from just from photos. Um, and which, which, 
which I mean, he looks like a child to me. But then everyone under thirty, yeah, well, exactly. Gen, Gen Z, Gen Z are children, basically. Um, Josh, are you a millennial or Gen Z? I, you I'm must millennial. I'm thirty two. Right. So yeah, 32, millennial. Okay. Yeah. So my point being that actually, for millennials and Gen Z, actually, the DS aesthetic is what seventeen years old. Yeah, or there, there or thereabouts. So this is when millennials were in their teens and Gen Zers were children so it makes perfect sense that that would be a nostalgic aesthetic maybe vaguely related do we know how old claire is supposed to be because hmm. i at some points i thought that maybe she was supposed to be kind of a young adult but then at other times it seemed like she was maybe a teenager or you know like mm. high school aged um i i i don't know i don't think it necessarily matters but it it, it was that's a good thought i hadn't I, I kind of in my head anywhere between i guess like nine and 15 i don't know james um i wanted was there some reference to her talking about college in the city i can't remember but uh, I, maybe. I i might have completely transposed that but yeah i completely <laughs> you, yes your fan fiction <laughs> i i may just have sort of imagined that because there are times where it's like no this is clearly a young person who is mm. almost and again, maybe projection, but I felt like part of the reason she didn't enjoy being in my imagination of her not wanting to be there at the beginning, and obviously you find out why later, but I imagined that she was being sent to go and see an aunt that she went, She this trip for her would have been something from her childhood, and now she mm. was being forced to go back there as an adult who can, or as a young adult who can make her own choices and this wouldn't be her choice. Was kind of maybe I've underaged her, yeah, yeah. Projection I put on, but there are definitely aspects of it where I'm like, oh, Claire's actually really young because the way some of the other characters mm. treat her, like the the rock climber is a great example. It starts off with, well, clearly you can't do this, and even though it's a young character saying that to you, I did get the impression that Claire was somewhat right. being doubted because of her age. I don't, yeah, but I, I think I think it just speaks to the fact of of how how universal some of the yeah. themes are that you can kind of project this i mean f for me i think the ds was what came to mind for me because i figured that the person making the game this would be their equivalent of what the game boy was to me if that makes sense yeah yeah and i associate it with handheld because when i go on trips handheld is what i took as a kid yeah. that's what i take now and so i associate that handheld thing which i guess is why the idea of it on the Switch, yeah. the idea of it on the Steam Deck appealed to me because this sort of being in the outdoors, going on a holiday, just suits that aesthetic. And so, mm. yeah, I guess I pictured Claire as maybe maybe have, having just left or being at the tail end of high school and kind of being dragged on a essentially a redux of a childhood trip was kind of what came across to me. Yeah, I suppose if, if I was thinking of specific games that it, was evocative of it would be the the two post wind waker ds games that we covered back in mm. our zelda series spirit tracks and uh phantom hourglass uh but also the the ds animal crossing um yeah. wild world is that was that the animal crossing one uh on the ds i think so uh, oh, i was yes, never an yeah. animal crossing person mm -hmm. yeah New world, was 3ds wasn't it yes yeah, yeah. um but and and yeah there's there's some interesting stuff about it we've talked about how at I think we were talking about this even in our in the Castlevania 3 show just about how you get to a point where whereas at the time 
those 8-bit graphics looked, you know, as close to uh, an impression of reality as they could have done at the time. Mm. But when you play the, play those games now, sometimes there's a sort of impressionistic quality of them. And I think that's what you get with, obviously, even when you turn all the filters off and end up with the kind of the cartoony, smooth, cel-shaded-ish, Wind Waker-ish graphics... Um, it's still not a, you know, it's still not a photo realistic depiction. You've still got cartoony, quite simplistic characters and stuff. Yeah, there's but still actually, an art you, style there that's been chosen. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And if you leave the filter on, though, it sort of creates this, like, yeah, as well as a sense of something of the past. Um, obviously, I was like in my early 30s when the when the DS comes out, but I still have nostalgia for it. So it still sent, it still has a sense of nostalgia. Um, but as I say, I do also think I've seen quite a lot of um, when you see, you know, screenshots in articles and things like that. Sometimes they've turned the filters off yeah. um, to give a clearer, a clearer picture. And I think they look legitimately nice as well. So I, yeah. I do think it works with the filters dialed down as well. I think what the particularly the pixelation filter, what it did for for me and the reason that I really appreciated it was. Talking about like relating it to a PS1 early kind of polygonal 3D, um, mm. that tends to look a bit smeary to me and a bit um, like comparing it to pixel graphics of the era, it, it doesn't have the clarity and the punchiness and, you know, it, it can look like it's get the details getting lost. Um, but what, what this does is actually it gives a texture to the yes. world and the environment where you would need so much detail to give that. Mm. Thinking of like God of War Ragnarok as an example, you'd need all of that graphical power and detail right. to actually yeah. show the way that the light hits something, the way that something moves and folds to give it a different texture. And I know mm. this is just a filter over everything, and so I'm really projecting here, but it give it gives it a sense of it not lacking detail, that there is texture there. And I'm not talking about yeah. the actual textures that we're no, used. No, no, no. I know exactly. I know exactly actual, what you're getting at, and I think the actual you're spot texture on. of yeah. the 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 world and the characters yeah, in the, the game, and yeah. Whereas in in yes, in a modern PS5 whatever 4K game, you could go up to a rock and stare at the individual dimples on it. In yeah. this, yeah. Uh, you're further, you're zoomed out further away. You're seeing something with square edges, and your brain is going, "Yeah, that's a textured rock. It's not yeah. just a it's not yeah. just a brown square." Yeah. Graphics are funny. (laughs) (laughs) Sludge Wizard from our forum says, as somebody who would rather play a short game twice than a bloated game once, a short hike was a great surprise. In and out in a few hours, you're done before anything gets old. Also, I love the art style. Ben Whedon from our Patreon says, I don't think any other game has felt quite as tranquil as a short hike was for me. Soothing but compelling, I found the feather progression system incredibly engaging, wrapped up gorgeously in its bit-crushed aesthetic. I like that term. The cathartic final soar down the mountain is a triumph, along with a comically abrupt ending, almost daring you to start it right back up again, which I duly did. Now about the audio. Joey Jojo Jr. says, Brilliant soundtrack. I've found it a great OST to listen to at work. Composer Mark Sparling created an adaptive soundtrack system that combines layers of melodies and ambient music depending on where the player is and how they are traversing the terrain. Sparling cited influences uh, the Studio Ghibli composer Joe Hisaishi, the soundtracks for Animal Crossing New Leaf and Firewatch, the Sufjan Stevens folk album Carrie and Lowell and the Steve Reich minimalist album Music for 18 Musicians. Thanks to Wikipedia. 
who likes the, uh, the the music to this game, or did, did any monsters play it with a podcast on? <laughs> I did not. No, and I'm probably the one who's like most likely to do something like <laughs> that. But I didn't. No, I, I thought that it was uh, it was very nice, very relaxing, and uh, very well executed. In that um, you mentioned uh, as as part of the uh, the explanation there that it is adaptive and. I I always kind of like it when games do something like that. So, you know, you're transitioning from one area of the island into a different area and the music just kind of fades into the new the new version of itself without just hard cutting and starting some kind of new track from for a different place. And I, I appreciate that. I think that it's nice to not cut you off and and kind of make that the uh uh, just to make it a big thing when the music switches. Mm. I, I like that it's it's just kind of part of the scenery, the same as the visual scenery is kind of transitioning into mm. other bits and pieces. The the audio the audio scenery goes along with that. It reminded me at one point of nothing other than Super Mario World. You go into the woods and the sort of wooden percussion comes up. So it's like getting on a Yoshi in Super Mario World. That made me smile. Josh. I, I really love the music. Um, I it 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 hits the exact right vibe, right? Like, um, th- this is one of those soundtracks that I'll put on when I'm trying to focus on work, like get through tedious emails and stuff like that. It's it it just captures a cozy, relaxed vibe perfectly. Um, it it's a it matches the aesthetics of the game as well. Like, it, it's it's such a a neat fit for what the game is going for. It's got a kind of children friendly vibe to it. Like you could imagine this as the soundtrack to something for younger folks, but that's not in any way an insult. It's absolutely, uh, it absolutely fits the aesthetic. No, it's yeah. not, it's not simplistic. It's just, no, it's, no, it's nice. <laughs> Light and pleasant. Yeah. I think yeah. part of the, the reason that it can seem simplistic is that obviously, as we've said, it's, it's layered, um, and so occasionally the music will drop right down completely to almost silence, but also it can be just the bass layer track that's playing at times. And and the way that it will then change as you either come close to a character or an area of, of each each region of the, the island, sub areas within will suddenly add an extra layer on and an extra layer on. Um, and and it's not as simple as each area of, or each region of the map has their own three layers and a separate three layers over here. The base layer might extend across a couple of different regions and then they'll have the layers that go on top of that might be different depending upon the region. So that I think that helps, um, again, with talking about like the universality of the themes. I think it helps give that feel to the soundtrack as well because there is a base layer that you might hear across different regions. So it almost has a similar, like the way you would say a soundtrack has a motif. It almost has that going on here because of the way it chops and changes and doesn't necessarily put hard lines between different parts of music coming in now. Um, but the thing that, that I really, really liked about it is there's also a verticality to that. So as you're the, as the aim of the game is to go up on the island, so as you go up on the map, uh, and certainly up the, the main Hawk's Peak, it layers on extra parts of the music to add... Um, intensity sounds like a daft word to use with this but it it does climax the music as you get to the the top of the island as you would expect but it does so by layering on at different heights of uh, verticality on the island 
Yeah, and I, I mean, actually thinking about the what you're saying about the the, the intensity of the the soundtrack building that that does include the, the the sound effects as well. And yes, they may have been taken and chosen from libraries of, of free sound effects, and 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 perhaps he, he didn't use a uh, an established you know audio engineer or anything like that. But actually, I think again, it's every every sound sound in this game is exactly how I wanted it to be, like the the sound of the water, the sound of the rain, the sound of the wind, the sound of the birds, the sound of the trees. It was all like none of it sounded wrong. It all sounded right. And that that's like it's like the old uh, adage and analogy about um you in in football you don't notice a good referee like kind of thing. So it's basically it's it's going under the radar, but actually you 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 would notice it if it wasn't there doing its job kind of thing. And in fact, the the whole experience one one game that it does remind me of is um, I, I guess it's it is less intense overall, but it is Journey, uh, that game company's Journey, um, right up to the fact that you know you you do find yourself at a point where you're suddenly your feathers are getting frozen, and um, and that actually yeah. gives you just a tiny little spot of like oh, <laughs> Claire, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely, yeah I think that's the weird thing because it's it it's feathers. But you're collecting them, so it's clearly not Claire's feathers. But because mm. you're playing a bird and collecting feathers, it is yeah. When you yeah. see those feathers as your stamina meter, uh, as as much as they are anything, start to yeah. freeze, it does set in a certain like yeah. You, you start looking at them, hoping you're going to get to the next level spot or the next hot pool to to be able to kind of warm up uh, and getting to the top of that first big climb. I think it is where you see the um, the campfire there. Yeah, you you feel like great <laughs> you know yeah. i can warm up a bit which is ridiculous because i'm sat in my lounge in front of the fire you know our our next correspondent i i did see and i was kind of trying to think of how to bring this up too but uh mm. mentioned celeste and that yeah there's yes. a lot in common here obviously celeste is mechanically a much well for me anyway much more much difficult more demanding game, <laughs> yeah. but there are there are some similarities like you know needing to kind of land to recharge your uh your your movement yeah. capability and send a peak yeah and go believe up in yourself mountain so yeah. that you can have uh some kind of revel revelatory experience at the top and you know i i think that celeste is a, a great game in the same way that i think uh well not in the same way that i think a a short hike is a great game mm. but but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny that they both used kind of that central conceit in and ended up with an execution on each of them that was pretty different. Opposite ends of the the challenge scale for mm. for most people, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. if you, if if you were one of the people that found Celeste uh, made you want to smash controllers, this <laughs> this is unlikely to do that. I would say. Yeah, on that on that piece of correspondence then Seth from our forum says I came across this game when I picked up one of those fundraising itch.eo bundles and this was cited by many articles as one of the games worth trying I suppose it's itch.io itch.io or itch.io and, uh, and yeah. probably a, a good point to say this was uh, the the itch.io bundle that I got this in was the um racial justice one that um, yes. fairly shortly into the um uh, the the pandemic and lockdown yeah, and obviously Black Lives came Matters up as, 2020 exactly came up when the yeah. the BLM um, protests yeah. started happening. Oh God, then I guess uh, I do own a copy on PC. Yeah, yeah same. And, and yeah, I've got two copies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, so um, the, the reason that this was 
brought up in articles was there was so much in that that a lot oh, yeah, of websites insane. did a kind of okay you've got yeah, 1500 yeah, yeah, yeah. games here are <laughs> yes. the 50 you actually you'll first <laughs> go and look at these there'll be others in there but here's the ones that we recommend so yeah this was one of those that's that's such a good point i've got all th- i've got three of those bundles shortcut on my like browser menu yeah. palestinian aid racial justice and equality bundle for ukraine this is not me virtue signaling by the way um but i genuinely don't know all the games that are, are in those three bundles i yeah. i guess there's there's probably quite a lot of overlap but i also want to say like <laughs> so while i was playing this game i was thinking oh this is so delightful and sweet and charming but because it keeps happening I was thinking, what if it turns out the creator's actually like a QAnon alt right, <laughs> like and, and like because sometimes you can't tell, right? Um, but I'm assuming if he uh, put his game into his game the yeah. into the bundle, then he's probably sound. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, where was I? Yes, Seth. Sorry, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That's that's a a, a, a very worthwhile segue. Uh, Seth continues, when I powered it up, I was immediately charmed by the visuals and characters. I was only going to play for a few minutes uh, just to get a taste of what to expect, but I ended up completing an entire playthrough in one sitting. I've heard this game get criticism for its apparent short length, but I don't understand this at all. Not only is the concept of length vastly overrated by the gamers, but I feel like this is a game that needs to be played in one go anyway. So padding it out with empty fields and fetch quests would ruin the experience. I think my favourite aspect is that while it gives you an objective, the game doesn't force you to head in any direction. Instead, allows you to explore the map in whatever way you see fit and find the little side quests for yourself. I know I've barely scratched the surface of what is available in this game, but it's one I'm hoping to revisit soon and see what else I can discover at Hawk Peak. The story and progression reminded me of Celeste, which also does a fantastic job of exploring themes of self-confidence and believing in yourself. By the end of the game, I felt happy for Claire and her brief adventure, the ending mechanic of her telling her story to her aunt is great. I love when games do this because it's a nice incentive to replay and switch up the things you do. I appreciate, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I feel like if you enter into a game called A Short Hike and <laughs> are criticizing its short length, it's kind of like, what, what, what did you expect? Like, yeah. It's, I, it's $8, it's six quid, it's called A Short Hike. It's yeah. probably not going to be uh, Elden Ring. Yeah. yeah. Done it. Right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Gameplay-wise, uh, some official blurb bullet points have Explore the island any way you like. Choose your own path to follow and see where it leads you. You never know what you might stumble into. Hike at your own pace. There's no need to rush to the summit. Take your time fishing along the riverbanks or swimming by the lake shore. Collect hidden treasures to reach new heights. Try taking a dive off the mountain peaks to soar above the forests. Chat with other hikers you meet along your route. You might be able to help each other out. And listen to a lush original soundtrack by Mark Sparling that progresses dynamically as you explore. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead just because fishing was mentioned there. I know, Leah, you love a... Even though you're not an Animal Crossing person, I know you love a fishing minigame. I do Um, love a fishing minigame. I didn't play too much of the fishing minigame. It is pretty simple, but it's it's rewarding. Um, And you can find a guy on a boat who will pay you for your fish. So I, I, you know, I I fished in a few different areas just to see kind of what I I didn't, I didn't ever come up with anything too weird, but um, yeah, I don't know how many types there are. I mean, this isn't Stardew Valley, of course, but 
it's a nice, uh, nice, there nice are, little distraction. I believe fourteen different main types, but then you have <laughs> big, tiny uh, albino. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, I found an albino of... carp that the guy would seem oh, to be yeah. really interested and, in. And then um... there's the actually rainbow <laughs> trout, which is okay. which is a rainbow trout that is painted rainbow colours, which is, oh. gets a, a nice reaction from, from the, the guy, the captain uh, that you sell the, the fish to. Uh, Mr. Ixlite from our forum says, it's hard to make a summary of the game that isn't just variations on the terms soothing, pleasant, wholesome, and so on. But such are my prevailing memories of a short hike. The golden feather system of progression is simple but rewarding, as I was constantly poking around a game to find feathers to let me climb higher and fly further, because climbing and flying were so fun. I constantly put off heading to the top of the mountain because I wanted to explore and help that one guy find his watch, and only when I couldn't <laughs> readily find stuff to do, I went to the peak fully satisfied. A short hike is an unassuming game where the individual bits aren't hugely memorable, yet I still consider it tremendously good because I was never not happy playing it. It's maybe the first time I've had that I wish I could live in this world feeling for a game. It's an ultimate de-stressor, a lovely and welcoming place to visit for a quick stroll after a hard day's work. One thing I thought was clever, I don't know if any of you've got any thoughts on this, was that although it has the the, the golden feathers to collect, 20 in total, plus two silver feathers, which I only learned about after the fact. Um, it never feels like a Banjo-Kazooie-style collect-em-up. No, I... So I I collected, I think, about half the feathers, um, mm -hmm. and I wasn't really looking for them. I, I kind of got them as side benefits from other things. Like, I, you know finding the seashells or locating the headband for one of the runners who <laughs> is, you know, entering a competition later on or, you know, just various stuff that I was doing anyway is where most of the feathers that I found came from. So, it, yeah, it didn't really feel like I was being gated so much, although you very much are. I mean, you can't you know, there there is a a minimum requirement of feathers that you need in order to proceed to kind of the end bit of the mountain. Um, and I, I don't is, even know if that apparently... minimal will get you all the way to the top. You might need to have, well, maybe there is, but I, I was pretty close. I think seven, I but, um, but I think people have found ways of, um, yeah, you of can circumnavigating. Kind of jank your way up the side of a hill much as you can mm. in several games that kind of gate you by <laughs> putting a slightly too steep, but you know, as long as you can find some flat spots, Skyrimming, charge, et cetera. as yeah, it's, um, as yeah. it's <laughs> dodgily known. <laughs> Uh, yeah, interestingly, the the silver feathers, I didn't get any of on my first playthrough, but I'm pretty sure, 99% sure, that the watch quest mentioned was one of the ones where I got a silver feather as a reward. I wish I'd found those. Cause so are they, what are they? What do they do? Are they better so than gold feathers? They don't add to your stamina meter at all. They just make you climb faster. Ah. So I don't even know if they will reduce the amount of stamina you need to get up the hill. It just right. saves time. And so, yeah. like, the races yeah. where you have, you've got to, to race the uh, Avery, I think that's Parkour. Racing. And parkour, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, one of the big things there is, uh, you know, you can you can sprint if you've got the running shoes. You can, you can find little shortcuts and ways. And if you've unlocked some of the um, bounce pad flowers, um, Avery won't use those. So you can, you can smart your way around uh plan a route after having done it a couple of times but with the silver feathers it's just like yeah no you're in my dust especially for the race to the top mm -hmm. of the mountain it's like you've got so many large climbing sections that you can suddenly just 
climb faster than than Avery's able to kind of circumnavigate the the mountain. <laughs> so yeah, in your face, Cooper the Quick, <laughs> eat my dust. Um, can you? So uh, one of the one of the things I found about playing the game, like I did, what our first correspondent was saying about initially going in the deliberately in the wrong direction because yeah. you're given an open world you realize there's sort of semi-open world you, you you realize there's probably something interesting the other way so you end up you know finding some shells finding some money maybe kicking off some some side quests is it actually possible to uh beat the game without saying getting the the running shoes or do, uh, do they are they just speeder um, uppers or do you actually need them so I was thinking about this, like the, um, there's several of the items. So from the beginning, like most of the bottom half of the, the island is kind of open to you and you can go left or right around there. But ultimately, as you go, you're going to be gated by your inability to climb up the mountain to kind of bring you back to where the kid who's bought up all the feathers is standing at the bottom of that climb. That's kind of the, the focal point to get to at the end of that kind of opening area. Um, which is part of the, it feels open, but ultimately it is going to kind of funnel you to where you need to be to find out that you need seven or eight feathers to go up that mm. climb. Um, and whether you encounter some of those side quests or some of those collectibles along the way is kind of entirely up to you. I don't think you need a shovel. I don't think you would need the running shoes I don't think you would need any of the hats because I don't think any of them actually do anything. Nope, cosmetic um, link. Uh, oh, yeah, you need a hat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be at the top of a mountain without a hat on, as we as we no, know. You'd be you know, Twenty-five percent yeah. of the heat ex- escapes from your head. So exactly. Um, <laughs> Isn't that uh, a myth? So, so yeah, I don't think you need any of that stuff. I think, but but I think you would have to be looking at a map, avoiding the other stuff to know where to go to get the feathers to get yeah. up the mountain without encountering it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't use the running shoes very much, so those specifically I, I definitely don't think you would need, but yeah, um, yeah I, I guess it just depends on who you decide to help. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't realize that so the, the, the visitor center sells two golden feathers. I only bought one. You can get those for 40 yeah. coins mm-hmm. each. Money's just dotted around. You know, you could sort of say that's oh, about you, as close you, to a yeah. You get loads of collector money by the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's this kid who Leah alluded to right at the top of the show. Who uh, it sounds like they they're actually profiteering. They've they've mm-hmm. bought yeah. up. They've they've bought the feathers from the visitor center and now are selling them at two point five, two hundred fifty. They try and claw back some sympathy, but I, it's still not the way to do it, kid. Sorry, it yeah. isn't. <laughs> but I did buy. I did buy like four off him. I yeah. bought one off of him, um, and then I said, "Screw you! I'm not doing this anymore. I've got plenty of other yeah. island to explore. I'll be back." So, uh, in my my initial playthrough, I yeah, when he said, "Oh, I'm going to charge you a hundred for the feathers," I was like, "No, I'll just go elsewhere and find the feathers," and perfectly easily got nine feathers. I think I had well. Fewer than that initially, but by the time I got to the top of the mountain and then down, it was nine that I had when I first saw the end of the game. Uh, but then went back and bought, I think he has four, uh, bought all four from him. And then at that point, he tells you uh, why he's trying to make money, which is that he doesn't have enough for his tuition for next semester. So he's basically doing everything he can to earn money, including buying feathers at 40 and then taking them, selling them to desperate hikers for 100. Um, 
might as well be a PS5. Um, <laughs> I so, was going to say, mm, yeah, still don't feel bad for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they, they try and sow some sympathy. And, and actually, in the end, he says, oh, even with everything I've done, I'm still going to be 400 coins short. And the game allows you to give him another 400 uh, on top oh. of that uh, to, to kind of finish off his quest, <laughs> which I did because I had more money than sense by the end of the game. Um, well, yeah, I was going to ask that. Is there much... I mean, I I bought... I bought the feathers and the hat at the visitor yeah. center, and I bought one of his feathers, one of the kids' feathers. Is there really anything else to do with money? I never found anything. Um, the kids certainly sold. And it's everywhere. I mean, I had yeah. a lot. I I want to say the the game said it. You would need nine hundred and eighty to get all to buy all of the feathers you need to buy, which I'm thinking mm. must be. Four or five from him plus the four hundreds. I can't remember if I got anything for paying him the four hundred. Did I get another one? Can't remember. And then the two lots of forty from the ranger. So yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything else that I massively spent yeah. money on. No. I mean, it's another collectible in in most of the, this end. You know, I'm still going to go flying across the island because I saw something shiny. But yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was just curious. Yeah, one thing we haven't actually sort of mentioned normally, I sort of dive on this um, and, I, and I kind of intended to, but almost it was almost an afterthought because um, because I think the game nails it. The actual feel of locomotion in this game. I know some of our correspondents have already mentioned the, the fun of gliding and things like that. But, um, you know, this is stuff that some big developers don't always hit yeah. uh, from, from uh, you know, we, we've talked about it many times where a game's locomotion is just a, a bit of a barrier sometimes to to fun um but this game is kind of the reverse of that it's um again i suppose journey would be a reasonable touchstone in not that the game feels exactly like that but it has that sense of sort of uh freedom and free wheeling movement well it's um it's the kinesthetic joy right like the just the joy of doing like the like mario mm. has this as well right like yeah. it's just yeah. fundamentally fun to control the character and again like i know we keep coming back to like the the development time for this like like yeah. it is incredible to me that this no, knowing what i know about game development now yeah. through my career yeah. it is unfathomable that mm. he managed to achieve this level of polish and uh and you know just joy in controlling a character in that amount of time like it 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 feels so good like not not just the gliding but the climbing like all the all the little interactions that you mm. do now, like granted like the level of interactivity here is limited compared to some other games yeah, um cool. in this space but just the, the just the nailing of the fundamentals, the nailing of the meat and potatoes of what what this game is is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I would say that the only time I ever really had any frustration in controlling the gameplay was um, there was a little bit at the very top of the mountain where the camera kind of got in my way, and I made mm -hmm. some jumps that I didn't really mean to, and I and I. I probably could have solved that by just having more feathers when I to account for that when I went up there. Um, we we didn't really mention the camera, but it is for the most part. It's not a fixed camera. It is a yeah. um, but you you also don't have much control over it. Like it will it will follow you. You can kind of shift it a little bit to one one side or the other, but you can't 
it, it is not free camera control. Uh, so there were a couple of places where just my, um, I think just my view was a little bit skewed and I yeah. didn't make the correct jumps or didn't make the jumps I thought I was making. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that was less a control issue than it was just a view issue. And one um, of the, one of the yeah. gameplay codes that you can type in is a, is a cinematic camera, uh, oh, okay. basically allows, allows you to freely rotate the camera. Um, it's interesting that that's in there as a, I assume the reason it's not by default is because it, you can look at the graphics and in a, in such a way as it breaks mm. them maybe in places because maybe. of the way, the way the, I mean, for the, for the but... most part, I did not have a problem with it. Like no, I, I no. didn't, yeah. I, I, you know, shifted the camera or I tried to shift the camera, like right at the beginning, found out, okay, you can't really do that. And then it just wasn't a thing for the yeah. rest of the game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and the little wiggle room that the camera does have doesn't really afford you any extra perspective. Like, no. I guess if you think you see a coin behind a tree, you can pivot it just mm. enough to make out whether mm. it is or not. But like, yeah, I think the t- the only times I was frustrated were was when, um, so the camera like slow tracks you, and then every so often it will pivot when you get to a different side of the island. But there are times where you can be behind a mountain, behind a tree, behind something, like a, a sort of fold in the mountainside, where you just can't quite see what the terrain you're trying to go up is. So I found I had to somewhat guess which way I was supposed to be holding the stick, because it behaves yeah. in terms of your movement control yeah, like it's a fixed camera. So you are having to kind of pull towards you if you want to go up, but the camera, the character's facing you so there's definitely did some funny things with my brain but um overall and especially the kind of gliding um and climbing aspects i've waxed lyrical about the movement and the um the uh swinging in in spider-man games the two insomniac ones yes yes that is a, a relatively huge team with a huge budget and a lot of time like five years to develop that game on the back of sunset overdrive on the back of knowing how previous spider-man games felt and having spider-man 2 from 20 years ago now as a touchstone to compare back to as the kind of game that did that quote-unquote right up to that point um and also having like um batman's gliding mechanics around or movement mechanics around um gotham in arkham city and arkham knight to kind of think about as well and there are those are so mechanically dense movement systems where you don't need particular points to to uh grapple onto like you do in some games it is very free but in this case it's so simple um that I, yeah in exactly the same way as with spider-man i never got tired of just mm. Yeah, jump off the side of a cliff and glide a bit. Okay, stick to the side of the mountain, maybe climb up a little bit, then jump off, double jump. I mean, the more feathers you get, just the more free you feel. Because like the last race I did to the uh, to the top of the mountain against Avery, I'm just bouncing. Or like I've got, mm-hmm. you never get the full twenty feathers for that because you're always reduced in the number of feathers you can have. But you have enough that yeah. you can jump off a cliff and you can like quadruple, quintuple jump, and mm-hmm. then get glide a bit and then get to uh, a cliff face and climb slightly and you can just do all of that with relative like the control inputs very very simple it's all just on one button and and your uh, either d-pad or stick um but it allows much more mechanical depth than i would expect mm. of a, a game this kind of short simple straightforward in so many other yeah. ways 
and I and I I suppose like as far as I can remember uh, the the Rocksteady Batman games and the Insomniac Spider-Man games big mitigation here is the fact that if you do fall out the sky it doesn't matter really um you can yeah. get back up and you don't take any damage and yeah. so that gives you that sense of freedom and the and the spirit of it, you know wanting to experiment and look cool as you do stuff yeah yeah and 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 when so uh going back to the rock climbing association um when you get to the top of that climb and go all the way to the top and then come back down to that campfire where the bear is at the top of yep. the um the the first sort of steep climb you have to do um you talk to the two people from the rock climbing association who are in awe now of what you've done and i think that goes a long way to save the way that particularly the younger precocious kid treats you initially because you have a conversation with them and, and Claire's like, well, yeah, it's a tough climb, but I'm, I'm a bird. I can fly. That makes life so much easier. And you feel it. You, you, you feel the reason that you can dive out the sky or just plummet out of the sky and not take damage is because um, you're a bird and therefore you shouldn't, you know, it, it takes that completely yeah. out of the way. You don't need to worry about it. You're a bird. Just get on with doing bird stuff and, and playing the game, you know. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I enjoyed uh, in the sort of the light environmental puzzle mechanic was the uh, the 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 discovery of the Helianthus dissultantis, the rubber flower and its uses of uh, getting you back up to where you were in rapid time. At some point you find, I can't remember, who do you get a bucket off? You, you borrow a bucket. Uh, there are a couple bucket, of places that you can get a bucket. Okay. Buckets next to pools and a, a sign next to them telling you, yeah, That's what it. the deal is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then once you pour water on these flowers, once they stay boingy, and you have got the whole kind of uh, springy up in the air. Uh, remind again reminded me of Mario a bit in the uh, the flowers in in Super Mario sixty four. Um, I don't know if again, I was supposed to be able to get two buckets, but I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had only a two buckets. Five pickaxes, <laughs> what they four or five buckets, I think, by the end of the game. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, okay. It, so it's weird because um we'll I'd probably... show off. <laughs> so in in uh, one of the design conversations, I think the GDC uh postmortem that I saw um Adam Robinson you uh, give, he, he mentioned that with the so the toy shovels, the spades, um yeah. there are actually five of them on the island. So the fact that you just happen to stumble on the spade that this yeah. kid building the sandcastles needs is you don't there's five places you're almost certainly going to bump into one of them but mm. as soon as you pick it up the others disappear which seemed like That's a really clever. clever way of making everyone feel yeah. like they just happened upon the thing yes. they needed and then mm. i was playing and found multiple buckets and multiple pickaxes and multiple sticks and was like yep like the sticks i get because they should be everywhere the pickaxes there's a lot of them near some of them mm. the mines that makes sense yeah but the buckets mm. next to the pools, why are they still... That seemed weird. I, yeah. I kind of lost that sense of, oh, I just happened to find the thing because mm. they were everywhere. Is it, but there's no use. You you can't fill three of them. But you can no. only fill one of them at a time, yeah. right? Functionally, yeah. you've only got one, but it tells you how yes. many you've got when you pick it up. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why, why they left the... Didn't, you know, flick the flag which says bucket collected, yeah. erase <laughs> other buckets. Yeah. Hmm. Curious. Go back and patch it. Your game is broken. <laughs> Death threats via Twitter. Yeah, too, too um, many puddles in Spider-Man or not enough puddles yeah. in Spider-Man and too many buckets in Short Hike, the two gaming crises of our era. Yeah, 
and two such as we've we've just established very very similar games in many ways <laughs> colin alonso from our forum says on the beach there's a hut that hands out toast but will only do it after a certain time of day it was 5 p.m for me this isn't just a meaningless line or an in-game uh, or an in-game time there's no in-game clock you can go back after the real world time to get toast this is the only time the game pulls anything like this so it was a small surprise i didn't know about this yeah i didn't either uh, somebody told me about the strawberry toast but i or yeah. maybe there was a sign or something but i i thought it yeah. was just kind of a like color Joke. thing <laughs> yeah. real world five o'clock wherever you are in the world presumably yeah maybe yeah, i'll do that after the show <laughs> That was the yeah. the last thing I had to do, and and you can yeah set your console clock to to that. Uh, apparently, it's it's not that strict. It certainly doesn't unlock before five o'clock because I tried at four fifty eight mm. and four fifty nine. Um, <laughs> five o'clock, sure Good enough. Good due diligence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'd already finished everything else I wanted to do in the game. I was literally waiting for that before I could then have <laughs> come on. Ready for the podcast. I need my strawberry um, toast. Yeah, it's the sign next to the ranger station, which by that point in the game. Uh, today the artist had also made their way back down there because i'd met them at all the various spots you can meet them um and the rangers sat there and you can buy hats and you can buy feathers and then there's not really much to do except the sign tells you that here's the ranger station here's hawk's peak here's the things in the park that are of interest oh and our famous uh strawberries and toast uh is served <laughs> daily is that, 5 is that a thing in canada or anywhere I've i I don't know. Or is it just a cute short hike thing? I, so I know. I wonder for... if it's a Celeste reference. Oh, could huh? Be. Could be. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Mm. Mm, maybe. I, f- from going to to have the strawberries and toast, I didn't get any further reference. But yeah, it, it's it's a weird one. Unless yeah, maybe there is something. So I know for walking when I was younger, I was recommended try strawberry or raspberry jam and cheese sandwiches which as a kid is one of those oh that sounds and of course it's absolutely fine why wouldn't it be amazing it's like chutney yeah yeah, so it's absolutely fine um and something that i probably wouldn't do with vegan cheese but anyway um Mm. i don't know if it stems from the same thing where that is a thing in canada amongst hiking or walking or scouting circles or whatever but it could be, and maybe that's why need it's strawberries to and it. Celeste as well. It's, it's or Canadian listener, get in touch if yeah, you're a strawberry um, and toast advocate. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds but, like a kind of you know a, a makeshift strawberry tart. So yeah. I, 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 I'm going to confess, I did just Google strawberries on toast as uh, <laughs> what you, you folks were talking. Um, there's tons of recipes for different kinds of strawberries on toast, including yeah, think, a yeah, balsamic really. vinegar strawberry and toast. Oh recipe. yeah, it's, I've had strawberries with balsamic before. It yeah, does yeah. it. It works. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It it's clearly, a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, unfortunately, in the game, it's not a thing because when you go there and ask for strawberries and toast, they tell you that they've run out of strawberries. Ah. And, and you then accuse them of false advertising and they say well i've got some toast if you want so you can have some toast just toast a whole actual uh lawsuit against them for not giving you strawberries on toast which, is it buttered which, yeah i yeah. was gonna say just if it's buttered toast. toast i'll take it but if it's just toast with right so on, the description in your difference. inventory because you have to go into your inventory to actually find it and eat it says this is crucial uh, information <laughs> A piece of toast. It's lightly buttered. So yeah, there ah, you go. Ah, perfect. Um, Thank you and, so much. and you eat it, and then Claire says, 
that was toast. I feel the same. <laughs> Just like <laughs> as you'd expect, it wasn't life changing having a piece of toast, even if it was free. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, maybe not life changing, but if you've been going around this island all day, floating, flying, climbing up frozen peaks, helping people out, running parkour races, I would think a slice of buttered toast would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Although worth saying, bread's not a good thing to give birds, folks. Don't do it. It's ah, nutritionally oh, dead, and good the point. best that's going to happen is it's going to swell up in their stomach. Don't bother. Yes. That's why Claire felt nothing, because it's nutritionally... <laughs> yeah. Nutritionally zero her. benefit, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm surprised Peter, Peter, Peter haven't done one of their uh, always well-thought-out campaigns against this game for suggesting, depicting a bird eating bread. Um <laughs> Important maybe, maybe it's because it's an, uh, one animal giving another animal a piece of bread, so pets don't really know what to do with that. <laughs> they can't really come down against one animal in favour of another, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Wait till uh, we point out that humans are animals to Peter. Oh, uh, yeah. Them out. Um, Complicated. Yeah. Uh, one thing I liked but didn't pursue... Uh, but would absolutely, if I went back to the game, as I say, I can definitely see myself playing this on console at some point. Uh, the treasure maps, which are uh, little um, clues. So I think there's four of them in, in the game. Yeah I, think, and, yeah, I think so, yeah. And they give you a, a, just a text clue as to where you might find. Uh, and I think it's all golden feathers, isn't it? The At the end of the, in, the X marks the spot. Uh I never actually went and found anything that was the end of the treasure maps because by the time I got around to them, I found every other collectible in the game. So I probably should have right. gone and double checked one of those and made sure uh, there was nothing there. Yeah. But I mean, there's little X's on the ground that you can dig up. There's uh, yes. rock circles and bush circles where if you dig at the middle of those, something pops up. Uh, one of the golden feathers I will mention that was a right pain and actually would have be, been useful to have a treasure map, uh, mm. which maybe there is. Um, one of the golden feathers is at the top of the lighthouse. Makes sense. Yes. You can't get there easily. You don't think you can probably easily climb up it directly. The other one is indeed, it, there is a clue for it, yes, in the shadow. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you have to go to where the tip of the shadow of the lighthouse is, which is the little, it, it, it's not otherwise distinct on the map. You kind of have to go from the lighthouse and work out, oh, that is the shadow for the lighthouse. Um, and if you dig at the end of that, a chest pops up and there's a golden uh, feather in it. So... Yeah, that would be this. I guess that would be exactly the sort of thing that you could have a treasure map for. Uh, speaking of which, it's, it's probably worth saying. Yeah, the description of the treasure maps is this isn't really a map; it's more of a vague jumble of words or something like that. Yeah, because yeah. there isn't an in-game map as far as no. I could find. There's loads no. of resources on the uh, internet of people who have here's the map and here's the places you want to go to, etc. Uh, yeah, or just here is the map, but it's not in the game. Um, no. I suspect it would be kind of difficult to have an in-game map because yeah. it's, I mean, it's not just, it, it it's round. It's a mountain. It's a, you know, it's an island. It, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. it's mm. all all nice and curved and, and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I missed it because I am someone who really likes to have a map, but mm. the compass yeah. just didn't really do it for me. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe I'm not cut out for items. it. Which you can, yeah. which you can uh, activate. It reminded me the whole setting actually of um, of the you know the the title screen of Yoshi's Island, the original Super Nintendo mm. one, mm. where it kind of you know it, they they had the the pseudo 
FX2 chip pseudo 3D thing. It reminded me of yeah. that in that it's all very kind of domey and pastel. Did anyone go? Yeah. Uh, did anyone collect all the hats? Leah, you said you can't be without a hat. Uh, there's a summer hat and there's a headband and is there and there's a baseball cap. I did Ranger not collect hat. all yeah. the hats. I just got Ranger a hat. hat and then I stopped because now I have a hat and I don't really need. I mean, I, I uh, to be perfectly honest, to I didn't realize there were other hats. I might have gone for the other hats as well if I had known, but I didn't. So, yeah, that's well, one more reason for me to potentially there? go back. We'll see. Which hat did you? Uh, it was the one that you purchased from the ranger station, which I guess is just a ranger hat. Yeah, ranger hat. Yeah, because your your uh, aunt well, is yeah. wearing the same. You one kind of act like end. a you kind of act like a sort of um you know a, a deputy ranger with all your helping and all that. So I think it's fair enough. Even. I want to say it's actually called like a provincial park hat or something, but it's the ranger hat. <laughs> and if you're wearing it when you go to the ranger, he comments on how good you look in it. <laughs> That's quite nice. <laughs> Lee Davies from our Patreon says, One of my best gaming experiences of recent years. I simply adored it. The ending reveal at the top of the mountain. Dot, dot, dot. Mary Bisbo, also from Patreon, says, There's not much more to say about this game that hasn't already been said. It's cosy, but there's just enough tension to motivate you up towards Hawk Peak. I found the moment where I reached the peak, finally got reception, and found out that Claire's mum was fine after surgery. Incredibly moving. And I think most of us can relate to worrying about a loved one in difficult situations. I also enjoyed some of the humour throughout, in particularly the character who initially refuses to give you a reward after asking you to bring them 15 shells. It just highlights how quick we are as gamers to rush out and do any random task for an NPC because we expect some shiny reward at the end. Being a nice game, you do eventually get a reward, but I did feel a bit silly for a moment in a good way. I would also add that while most of the game is fairly relaxing and easy, Beach stick ball was like fighting a FromSoft boss. Boo. <laughs> uh, I actually found beach stick ball to be pretty easy because you can just kind of continue to mash on the button and run near the ball yeah. and it will probably get hit. That Yeah, that window uh, to, to hit the wall back was really wide and, and so was the physical like distance you could be away from. As long as you're in the vicinity swinging a, a stick, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really... Anyone go boating? Yeah, that would be one that, uh, so it took me a probably, so you go boating, you go down, there's a hut, there's a kid sat next to the hut and a guy in the hut who says, right, if you pay 100 coins, you can take the boat out for a whirl, uh, rent the boat essentially, but once you've paid that, you get the keys and you can do it. And the kid asks if they can come with you. Um, and you can go around the, the whole island in the boat. You can't go far from the island before there's like uh, boys, buoys for American listeners in the water mm -hmm. that kind of there is an invisible wall there that sends you back yes um same as when you're gliding uh but there is also a challenge that the kid wants you to do they want you to go really fast because their dad doesn't let them go fast in the boat um <laughs> and the dad's only let them come on the boat because you're there so you're supposed to be the responsible adult i guess leading me to think you are older than like maybe yeah. even 15 um, yeah good point uh but uh, yeah, they've set up an obstacle course, which includes a ramp that you go over it, the ramp breaks and you damage the bolts. So you have to take it back, get that fixed, and then you can go out and try it again. Um, and I think you, if you complete the course in under, I want to say it's like 100 seconds or something, you get a gold feather. And then if you go back, there's an achievement for completing it in 45 seconds or less, and you get a 10 second penalty, sorry, 45 seconds or fewer. 
you get a ten second penalty every time you hit the boat on anything. And that is a bit tricky because the boat, you're maneuvering all over the place. And so you're having to kind of keep track of, you're almost winding with the control stick rather than pointing with it to try and yeah. get it to go mm. the right way. And you've got a boost to go through uh, different like uh, gates that you need to take Sounds it through. It's like that old um, rare or ultimate, no, they were rare by that point, um, NES powerboat game. Can't remember what it's called. Possibly just powerboat. Yeah, <laughs> same as uh, Beach Stick Ball. Perfectly fun, functional, nothing yeah. particularly mechanically deep. You wouldn't make a whole game out of this type thing, but just a nice, fun diversion. And it took me five or six attempts to get down to 45 seconds after right. I'd done the kind of story part of it. Um, and that that felt good. It felt like I could get good enough at the course and learn it to, to mm. be able to get better. No multiplayer options, though, sadly. No, lazy developers. <laughs> I I did take the boat. Um, I I just wanted to say, and um, then I abandoned it somewhere. Um, oh. so oh. yeah, sorry, sorry, boat guy. I, I so, left your uh, boat. I do. I didn't leave like the kid though. The kid didn't ask to come with me. Although it doesn't to walk be, back. Well, it stays no, lost. I. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I I didn't actually talk to the kid after I got the boat uh, key. I talked to him before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I guess maybe you have to do things to take, in a certain I'm order sure, if you yeah. have the kid with you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I just I was kind of driving around. I was like, yeah, well, I'm gonna get off here, and then I did, and I yeah. just never went back to the boat. <laughs> so if you do wow. have the kid with you, you can you can uh, press Y. I guess it was on the controller I was using on the Steam Deck, and go to the kid in the boat and talk to them and initiate the challenge, or um, you can say, "I'm going to take you back now." And it just warps you, the kid, the boat back to the the hut. Yeah. So that is the advantage of taking the kid, I suppose. But yeah, you can't really do that to an empty boat. Will Marley from our forum says a succinct personal experience which leaves you wanting more. Mechanically quite simple, but the basics of traversal are very satisfying and encourage exploration. The characters are concisely written but distinctive and memorable. Each new goal feels so tantalisingly close that you can finish the game in one sitting and wonder how it flew by so quickly. While so many big-name indie games pad out their runtime with roguish structures, backtracking and repetition, a short hike is delightfully economical. You can pad out your own playtime by searching out Steam achievements or Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies. I don't suppose the Switch version has its own in-game system. I guess it doesn't. Um, actually, it doesn't. I, no. Well, not not that I got anyway. No. If, if, something, if something was there and I completely missed it, I'm not sure how, but yeah, no. No, nothing for the yeah. Switch. I didn't get, get anything on, an, on the Epic version either, thinking about it. But you can uh, find every f uh, feather, as you'd expect, and make it to the top of the mountain. You can get a 100 gamer score for trading every species of fish. That's uh, that's going to be an effort. You got uh, beat each parkour race. Eat a piece of toast. We've we've given that that one. Um, get the commemorative hat. Which one's the commemorative? Is that the ranger station one? Uh, sure. uh, that might be the ranger. Uh, yeah, that might be the ranger one. There's one for putting out four campfires, which I didn't even think of doing because why would you? But, why? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for because they're unattended score. fires, and Smokey the Bear says to help prevent forest fires. Was Smokey Very... the Bear a thing over there? Probably not. Uh, right? We've heard of him because of um, like episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we that's, why have... I, that's why I mean, I didn't put out any of the fires because I also didn't think of it, but that's why you would want to. 
Yes. Good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, boating challenge gets you a uh, hundred G's. Cool hundred G's. Uh, there's one for getting your photo taken, of course, is at the at the top with the the person. I can't remember what species they are, um, but you you speak to somebody a few times on the way, and then if you if they get to the top and get your photo taken, you get game. Uh, yeah, it's a fox. So yeah, um, the last place you can speak to them is there's a broken bridge on the way up, and they can't get there. So if you go to the top, then come back down. So you have to do this after you finished, I believe. You can loan them six feathers, which obviously uh, makes it more difficult for you to get to the top. So you kind of need to have got to probably twelve, thirteen, fourteen feathers by the t by that point. And then cool. uh, if you 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 go up at the same time, it's not like they warp there. You can actually follow them all the way up, uh, going yeah. the same route they do, and then you get to the nice. top, talk to them, and they turns out they've got their camera, which is quote unquote so much better than smartphones for taking pictures. And you pull a <laughs> uh, almost Usain Bolt style pose. Uh, against obviously the really nice uh, <laughs> skyscape is up there, uh, and um, and yeah, get a photo taken, which is uh, a nice end to that quest. Um, Excellent. I did just check the commemorative hat was actually for the beach stick ball. It's the baseball cap that you get. Ah, right, cool. Yeah, and yeah, final uh, achievement is for watering every sprout. Twenty-seven of them. That last one will kill you. You are a mine, <laughs> a mine of knowledge. Uh, yeah, so there's those cheat codes, which, as I say, um, forgive me, I don't know if they're available in the console version via some other method, or if you whack in a USB keyboard, can you can you do it on there? I don't know. Um, but yes, if you type in cheats, please, without quotations, um, using your keyboard, you will briefly see the toast icon in the upper left corner of the screen. <laughs> While that icon is active... You can type following codes using a keyboard to enable a variety of effects, including the camera one we mentioned, uh, increasing the running and jumping speed, which will disable any leaderboards in the game. Uh, you can uh, save the game manually. You can uh, do a quick load as well. You can teleport. You can refill your stamina. You can teleport back to the cabin. Uh, you can have faster fishing minigame speed up the bites uh you can double the in-game time scale or half the in-game time scale not sure exactly as it's not a real-time game i assume that means characters uh, several most of you even of the characters you kind of bump into aren't necessarily stationary mm. certainly around the woods there's a lot of people kind of moving walking running That's around yeah. maybe it just speeds up how quickly they they move but yeah it's not mm. yeah. and you can <laughs> You can toggle in-game marathon race recording. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and there's a bunch of item codes as well, from everything from one golden feather up to uh, 50 coins, and you can just get the running shoes, uh, unlock all items. Obviously, all the most of them disable the leaderboards and stuff. But yeah, if you want to just cheat your way, I don't know if they, I don't know if it disables achievements or not, but it's all in there anyway. Nick Tendo from our forum says, during lockdown in 2020, another podcast I listened to, Filthy Casuals, that's the name of the podcast, I'm not casting aspersions, reviewed it and recommended it as a short happy indie. So I went in and was so glad I did. A short hike had me grinning from ear to ear with its nostalgic DS era aesthetic, charming characters and simple objective. Collecting feathers and making your way up the mountain and partaking in all the various activities was a simple joy. While a short hike is, well, short, Memories of playing will live in my mind for a long time. When my kids are a little more capable of playing video games, 
I look forward to watching them play this beautiful title. Uh, we've also, we don't often do this, but because uh, we had to hoof him off the recording to make way for Josh's last ever appearance, not quite. Uh, we've, we've got a little post from uh, John, who was going to be on this show. Um, and I think, James, as, as, as you've, uh, you've sat in his still warm chair, you could read this one for John. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so John from Cane and Rinse, don't often get to say that, <laughs> says, <laughs> I really love a short hike and I'm gutted not to be there discussing it with you folks. It's such a nice, chilled out little game, full of wholesome characters and mini stories and just enough depth to really feel like you're going on a proper adventure. I think we talked about it briefly in an end of year wrap up show a few years back and I remember somebody there describing it as Tiny Breath of the Wild, a near perfect description that has stuck with me ever since. In my most recent five-ish hour playthrough, I think I saw just about everything the game has on offer, so if you're looking for a similar sense of wonder, exploration and adventuring that you may have gotten from Breath of the Wild, but without a multi-hundred hour commitment, then a short hike is definitely something to check out. Even after all the characters have been talked to, errands completed, fish caught, races run, chests opened, plants watered, holes dug, feathers found, and every square foot of the world explored, it's still, sorry, it's still fun as hell to just soar around on the air currents. It's such a great relaxing palate cleanser of a game that I'm sure I'll be returning to frequently just to run and fly about. Thanks, John. See you next year. Uh, and we've also got Shields from our forum who says, A short hike is a game that I found to be a really enjoyable time with no taxing elements and exactly the kind of comfort food game that I've returned to several times just to wander among the gorgeous National Park map full of nooks and crannies and secrets that just organically fill out the map. For me, however, there's a key thing that elevates it to near 10 out of 10 level and that it's it, that it became my eldest child's first ever game completion, age seven. It happened naturally, organically, with no hand holding from me, just pure curiosity, experimentation and the fact that the text helped them learn to read. They returned to it, known simply as the bird game, differentiated from the goose game, all the time <laughs> to simply catch fish, fly from the top, race the characters around the loop and just generally exist in a world the same way I did as a kid with video games. And that's something that can't be taken away nor taken for granted. Uh, yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that for kids. This is probably a really great mm. first game. Yeah, uh, onboarding. Yeah, just yeah, because, because you, you can just walk there's around. There's a lot and... of um, a lot of exploration and a lot of experimentation yeah. that can be done with very little consequence if you fall off something or I, I, it, I don't even want to say get something wrong because there's not really anything to get wrong. There's just it, almost in the water. Fail, yeah. I don't think there is a fail state you could you could get. Yeah, not one mm. that I found. Nope. And if it were there, I probably would have. So <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, on that note, kind of tangentially related. I didn't mention when we were talking um, music, but the fact that there is no dialogue in the game that isn't text on screen meant that often when I'm playing a game sat next to um, my partner, I'll put headphones on just because she's concentrating on something else. And if it's a game that's all bombast and like something like God of War that I've just been playing, oh yeah, that's quite difficult to ignore if someone's playing it next to you and you can <laughs> oh, yeah. hear it all the time. Whereas mm -hmm. this, today, I had no hesitations and she was absolutely fine with me just sitting mm. there playing it and the music just being amazing background music for her to mm. be working away to and just no interruption there. no, It wasn't yeah. pulling attention uh, towards what I was doing. 
Um, so yeah, that that works as well. Yeah, it was actually one that I I was thinking. Um, Tanya, my partner, uh, doesn't game too much at all these days for all kinds of reasons. Nothing against them, but um, but I was actually thinking if there was one that could, you know, she would enjoy getting back into just as something to wind down with of an evening. This would this would be one that I would recommend to her for sure. Three word reviews. Uh, follow us on social media at the time of recording at Kane and Rinse. So first up, we have Andy Corrigan who says, "Take your time." Tree Smurf says, "Lots to explore." One from my seven-year-old son says, "Get your feathers." <laughs> Jacinto Saints or Saint says, "Make many friends." Uh, Ludo Narrative FM, Mountain Peak Revelation. And Axel says, a short hike. Yeah, I thought that was fair enough. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to summarise then, uh, I'll go first. Not because I'm in any way really negative on the game. I think I've probably just played it the least. Uh, just having played it f the one session for the show, an hour and a half. But it was a delightful session. Friday afternoon, um, pot of coffee. Good vibes, headphones on, lovely music, nice, uh, comfy feeling, warm, friendly, wholesome, all those words go to a thesaurus. Um, and uh, yeah, and but there's a the, the, the key thing is there's a fun game in here, I think, with um, and the locomotion aspect, which, uh, you know, we didn't go on about for hours, but I think quite a few of our correspondents have sort of mentioned it, just sort of saying the game is as well as being all those positive adjectives that I just used, it's nice to control and it's fun to just be in. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice sense of progression. There is some, it, this isn't a walking simulator. It is a gamey game, but it's also a very, very gentle one with, uh, with it's just extremely unpunishing. Um, it sounds like some, some people had, some challenge with the with the beach stick ball mini game, although it sounds like there might be a workaround for that. But for the most part, um, other than a couple of uh, times where I needed to kind of think about where to uh, deploy the bucket of water on on the the bouncy plants, and uh, there's also a one hot spring that I needed that I had to get the uh, the pickaxe out for. Um, it was. It was a fairly sort of organic journey from bottom to top, and um, yeah, and a and a and one that made me smile and feel warm, you know, a little bit touched at the end as well. Um, and yeah, absolutely, this game is yeah five six pounds eight dollars whatever for a good couple of hours of entertainment. It's been given away for free. It's been given away in bundles. It wouldn't surprise me if it turns up. Uh, I don't know. Game Pass, PSN, something like that, sales, whatever. Um, but as you've heard from all our correspondents today, I mean, it's. I'm not saying there's nobody in the world who didn't like this, but we didn't hear from them. So uh, if you want to reward yourself with a pleasant experience, this is a, a cheap and cheerful way to do exactly that. Uh, Leah? Yeah, I, I would say that I had largely a similar experience to Leon's. I, I have only played the game through once so far. I may go back in because it seems like there are some things that I would uh, get a kick out of that I didn't actually find 
just yet. But yeah, I it just I I really value a game that can give me just kind of that little shot of endorphins that is just a happy game, you know. Mm. I my favorite one of these is probably always going to be Kirby's Epic Yarn because mm. that's a game that just melts my cold black heart into a little puddle of goo. Oh, but yeah. this is this is there too. I I really genuinely thought that this was a um kind of a nice smooth feel good type of game even though there are some uh, aspects of it that are a little bit complicated and you know maybe touching for reasons other than just they're very sweet you know it's it's um it's it doesn't dwell on the things that are maybe emotionally challenging if you are in particular spots in your life but it does acknowledge them and it kind of makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. And I, I think that, I think that's true. I think that everything's going to be mostly okay. And, and the short hike helped me out with that. So uh, yeah, do recommend and um, wherever you want to play it. Apparently it's on pretty much everything. So uh, yeah, I, I would say look it up. Perfect you might words. have a copy already. <laughs> you may well, <laughs> or, or two. Uh, James. Uh, I'm so thrilled that this podcast prompted me to play this, albeit, you know, uh, six weeks ago now, but then to go back to it today. Um, Walking games are something that I do a lot of walking. I enjoy walking. It's one of the few things I can actually identify in life that I love doing. I enjoy doing and, and, and that's part of kind of has been part of my life for all of it, as far as I can tell. Uh, and will be as long as my legs continue to to operate um and this game being about just walking i mean it's called a short hike it it more than just about anything i think when i think about you know other games where walking is predominantly what you would do you know death stranding that's not really a game you can just dip into and just go for a trek because it's fraught with perils and also is the atmosphere of it is so intense um and to say it's a game about exploring walking around an island getting to the top and experiencing a revelation well dear esther is that but i can't think of a game although so similar in that way that's so diametrically opposed um and and yet i think i came away emotionally with as impactful a message from this game as I did from Dear Esther, thinking about it. And Dear Esther is a game that I know, you know, isn't universally beloved, uh, but to me is incredibly important and absolutely adored that game. And to say that this game hit me as as hard as that did is is bizarre to look at it and and to to think that. Not that I'm drawing lines in the sand about what can and can't be art or significant or impactful um but this this game has a lot to say and i took a lot away from it and i am capable of picking it up at any point i think just about whatever my mood and knowing that it's going to brighten my day to play this game uh and there there aren't many games that i can say that about you know though i would have to be in the right headspace for a lot of uh games and this one will always make me feel better and in that way it kind of epitomizes that kind of wholesome game that we've seen a a trend of and you know uh summer uh conferences about over the past sort of few years um 
in the best possible way. Uh, it's a game that I think I could heartily recommend to just about anyone to give a try uh, because of its approachability and because of its universality, and that's not to cheapen the the impact that it has. Brilliant. Thank you, James. And let's wrap up with Josh. Yeah, I, I, I know food metaphors with criticism is, you know, a particularly cliche thing to do, but I just... When thinking of this game, like the perfect metaphor for me is, you know, when you have a starter at the beginning of a meal and it ends up being more memorable than the rest of the meal. That's <laughs> what this game feels like to me. Like, it's such a simple dish. It's such a simple construct. But every every part of it, every element of it is so well-considered, so well-constructed. You feel the author's hand on every inch of this this island, this mountain. Um, and for that to be achieved in such a short frame of time is is miraculous to me. I, I, I think this is demonstrates a wealth of talent that is uh, astonishing. Um, James, you were talking before about Dear Esther and and that game having some you know some detractors. I unfortunately I'm one of those detractors mm. and and the reason why is like I am a big fan of games exploring ways in which they can express ideas without violence right like yeah. combat is uh, a kind of like a key um tool within a lot of AAA games um most games honestly uh like combat features quite heavily so when games explore ways to be video games without that that's something i um want to applaud but the reason why i i can't get on board with dear esther is i don't think the solution to that is to remove interactivity is yeah. to remove the the uh players uh, uh autonomy on an impact on the world around around them and um the characters around them what I really like about Short Hike is it is a game. Uh, it is a gamey game. Like it, it is unashamed. Uh, it's unashamed about being mechanically driven and, and systemically driven, um, but expresses those things to explore things that are much more wholesome, much more um, universal, um, and and ideas that we we can all. We've all experienced something like this. We've all experienced like a game of stick pull on the beach or an equivalent of that. We've all um, run across a, a particularly eccentric squirrel who wants you to join a rock climbing association <laughs> yeah. that's spread across <laughs> 35 countries and is growing and, and will become uh, the, the biggest rock climbing association in the world. Um, I, I love this game. As as small as it is, it's more memorable than games that I've played for fifty hours. Um, it's it's an incredible achievement, and I love it. Wonderful stuff. So there we go for this issue of the podcast. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank James and Leah, and editor Jay and Josh. Josh, farewell, Josh. Thank you for eleven years of hard grind. At the wheel of Cane and Rinse. 
Thank you for, you know, (laughs) thank you for inviting me to be part of this journey. Like, uh, um, just because I want to nip this in the bud, because you know how people be. There's no, there's no animosity or anything <laughs> like that about this Says decision. You. Uh, <laughs> it's um, Liz it, hated Josh from the start. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's entirely motivated by personal circumstance, and and you know, frankly, like I'm not as time rich as I used to be d- due to my job and and everything else. But I, I okay and rinse it a lot like i i am a yeah, much you do. More, yeah yeah <laughs> well frankly like uh, you know i've said this to darren like i, I met darren through Caden rinse and mm. his introduction um to sold out way back when is the reason why i have my career so yeah i i Easy. like honestly i owe my i owe my career to this podcast um and um Frankly, like I'm a different person than I was 11 years ago. Uh, I was very timid, very shy, very introverted at 21. Uh, this podcast helped me find my voice, find my confidence, and I don't know if I would have what I have now without it. So, um, thank you for that. Yes, no, we're 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 all still buddies, and in fact, Josh has already uh, agreed to return for that delayed, postponed Final Fantasy Tactics podcast in uh, some point next year, scheduled to be announced. Um, and yeah, maybe you know there may well be one-off odd appearances further down the road, um, as as there is. But it's nice that because we don't always with with contributors, sometimes they they go suddenly or a point where we don't get to say thanks and goodbye. So thanks and goodbye. Uh, well, uh, thank you also to all of our correspondents in this show. Don't forget to put your posts on the forum and on Patreon. Thank you for listening throughout this entire volume of Kane and Rince 2022's Volume 11. We are coming back for another year, at least. Who knows how many more? There's still so many games to talk about. Uh, so I just want to thank, as always, everyone who's listened throughout the year, our patrons especially, for supporting the show and making it possible to continue to do it. And a huge, huge thanks, as always. I am indebted to all of our contributors who have come on uh, the panel week after week, played the games, completed the games, thought about the games, talked about the games. And um, yeah, uh, as always, thank you. And uh, yeah, can't can't really overstate how much uh, I appreciate your ongoing commitment. But the good thing is we yeah, it's still we still enjoy it. And it's still always fun to think about next year's shows. Uh, The team's already seen what's coming up next year and have started planning their schedules accordingly and um yeah we all still get a buzz out of it so on we go uh so that is it for this volume this issue this year and we'll be back before you know it in 2023 until then 